take your Bibles and turn to James 5. James 5. And we're going to look at verses 13 through 16. Brother Colton, do you have that prayer letter? Okay. Miss Chris, after church, don't forget, I want to get that letter to you. There's a new address for the Smiths, I believe, on there. I want to make sure you get that. Uh, so remind me about that. Uh, James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. This evening, the auditorium seems a little bit off balance. Darren is in the back corner over there, and that's messing me up. Uh, you might have to move over here. Just to, I don't know. I, don't, I may not be able to handle it. Actually, if somebody could just, Jim, if you could sit in front of him so I don't want to see him. That would, that would help tremendously. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Look in your Bibles here, James chapter 5. Verses 13 through 16. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up and if he have committed sins they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at an oft misunderstood passage, Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to understand your truth, Lord, to see that you're able. Lord, not to doubt your power, but Lord, to see your purpose and your pattern. Lord, tonight as we open your word here in this passage, God, remind us that we do not command you. You are not our genie in a bottle. Rather, Lord, we understand as we pray we're asking for your perfect will. And Lord, your will is not always our will. Lord, help us to understand that. Help us to understand that when we pray, Lord, we're not putting you on trial. Lord, if we don't get the answer we seek for that make, does not make you any less God, Lord, I pray you'd help us to see that. Lord, just would you be with us as we look in your word? Lord, I pray you'd just direct us tonight. Lord, I, I thank you for your perfect book. Lord, give us a perfect understanding by the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, that leads us and guides us in all truth. And Lord, I pray you'd help me, Holy Spirit, direct my mind, my heart, my tongue. And Lord, to say those things that would be beneficial and helpful this evening. Bless us, Lord. In your precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at verses 13 through 16 tonight, we see a passage that speaks about physical healing. Uh, speaks about supernatural healing. And I want to give you three simple things quickly as foundational truths before we get to the points of the message this evening. Number one, this passage, James 5, verses 13 through 16, applies to us today just as much as it did uh, when it was written uh, about 30 years after the crucifixion. Understand that this is not out of date. How many of you have ever eaten food that was past its best before date. How many of you eat a lot of that kind of food? 
Yeah, I do too. Uh, you know, as long as it, if, if it can't run away from me, I will eat it. Uh, if it runs faster than me by the cram, then I, maybe I won't eat it. Uh, there's been a few times when I've looked at something and went, Rebecca and I, last year, the day, the day we were out moose hunting, the day I killed my moose, maybe it was, that's, what, that's why we killed the moose. That's the reason. That's the answer. I, I had opened up my pack, and we're looking for a snack, and I had some uh, cans of uh, smoked oysters, and the box was long gone, uh, Brother Gerald. God knows how many years it's been gone. But there was a date, a best before date on the can. Was it 2016, I think? And uh, most of you, I know what you would have done. You'd have thrown it away. Brother Bonnie, not me. I'm no chicken. My God, you know, I'm not a coward. Uh, I opened it up, and we started eating them. Rebecca ate one or two, and she's like, nah, I'm good. I ate a few more because I'm a man. And I went, yeah, this is probably not a good idea. <laughs> we shouldn't eat these. Now, there are some things that expire. Amen? There's some things that go bad. How many of you know milk? It only lasts a while. It goes bad. But God's Word does not expire. And that's a wonderful thing about the Word of God. It's, it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. Now, we, we look at that. This, this book, the book of James, written to the 12 tribes, scattered abroad among the nations. We see that in James 1.1. 1, 1. Uh, but we see, uh, hold your place here quickly and look at Galatians 3. And I just want us to have a bit of a, a foundational thought as we look into this passage to understand that God's word is applicable today. Galatians 3, verse 28, it says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, Christian, understand here, this in the New Testament, what we find here is not one message for the Jew and another for the Gentile. Not one truth here and there. Now, we, we, we're not looking at this tonight, but we can see some sign gifts uh, that God says where the Jews seek a sign, and the Bible speak about those and speak about that which is perfect has come, that which is in part shall be done, done away with. We know that. But when it comes to Scripture, uh, we can't look at the book of James and go, okay, this is, this is just for Jews. No, it's for all of us. And it is applicable today. Number two, there is much wrong teaching based upon these verses. Uh, so often this passage is distorted. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 16, it says, As also in all his epistles, speaking of them, of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also other scriptures, unto their own destruction. There are many who would take the scripture and use it wrongly to their own destruction. The other day I was going to change out a blade in a, in a uh, what do you call those knives, Colton? Yeah, what he said. And I had the blades out of the sleeve, and uh, you'd be proud of me. I had the little plastic cap, and Brother Darren, I was not touching the blades of my fingers. I was using the little plastic cap to, to bend, to get the blade off, and I was so careful. Uh, which is very unusual for me. And I was very careful, got the blade out, and then when I went to put the blades back into the tube, I stuck the blade, the, all the blades, not just one, all of them, right into the end of my finger. And it's, I'm healing up because I heal well. But I hurt myself. 
Now, you're not supposed to stick the blades into your flesh. Uh, now, the blades are useful. There's a purpose for the blades. It's not to stab yourself. I, I use them wrongly. Now, there are many who would take the Scripture and apply it wrongly, use it wrongly, and there's, there's much false teaching. Uh, for instance, there are many who would look at this passage and say, yeah, I, I'm going to tell God what to do. I'm going to tell God, you know, Uncle Bob is sick, and God, you're going to heal him because you, you're going to heal. That's what you're going to, you're going to do what I say, God. Now, hold on a minute. You don't command God. Not for one instant, not for one second. I, I, don't, I don't give God my will and say, okay, God, you're going to rubber stamp this. Every prayer I pray is not my will, but thine be done. And so much wrong teaching, especially today, uh, in this signs and wonders movement uh, in the world that is so prevalent and so fleshly uh, and so carnal and spiritually corrupt, uh, we see that. Uh, number three, just another foundational thought here before we get to some points. These few brief verses we look at tonight answer many questions. And we're going to see some answers tonight. I hope, hope it'll help you uh, that we want answered. You know, for example, how many of you ever wondered, does God heal today? I, I've been asked that question before. D does God always heal? Uh, does healing, here, here's a good question. I'm sure you've thought about, I've thought about, does healing depend on our faith? Does the reason I don't have healings because I don't have faith? Uh, should we uh, pray for the sick? It, it, is it wrong to go to the doctor? What should we do scripturally? I'm going to try to look at some of those truths tonight to help you and to help us to understand the Word of God, to rightly divide the Word of God. Now, number one tonight, our first point for the evening, every time, every time, every time, I, I, I'm going to repeat it a couple times so we get it, every time there is a sickness, we should make it an occasion for prayer. Every time. Every time. So, uh, you know, if it's a real bad sickness, then we'll pray. Or if, you know, if we don't have the answer, you know, if it's just a headache, you know, I mean, you can get a Tylenol, you'll be okay. No, I believe every time there is an ailment, yourself or for someone else, the very first thing we should do is pray. Is pray. It's an opportunity for us to say, hey, God, we need you. Lord, Help. Do you know God wants to hear from us? We get busy. How many of you know that sometimes we get pretty busy? Brother Royce is a plumber. Whenever it gets really cold, pipes burst, don't they, Brother Royce? And basements start to flood. And 17 people call him at one time and say, I need you here yesterday. And he says, I'm one person. I can't be at 20 places. Well, you get here right now. I'm 20 minutes away. Nope, you, you got to get here in two minutes. I, I don't have a teleporter. I wish I did. Uh, I can't do it. I, I just, we get busy. Now, if Royce is on his way to his 17th service call for the day, and his lovely, wonderful wife, perfect wife, you know, she does everything right, if she calls him, and she just wants to chit-chat. 
and she wants to tell him about a spider she saw crawling across a tree and, and how the sun was glistening through the spider web and how, how, how she thought of watermelon and then it reminded her of a palm tree and, and then she thought about cheeseburgers, you know, all, you know, all the things. I'm not sure how a woman's mind works. I'm trying to, I'm trying to put the pieces together, but I don't really know how they work. Uh, I'm, I'm still working on it with my wife. But I could be wrong. And I know Brother Royce is a better man than me. He'll probably say, oh, yes, dear, I'd love to hear about all of this. But can I tell you, if I was Brother Royce, I would probably say, hey, tell me about this later. This can wait till I get home. I'm, I'm driving for the 17th service call. I got water in a basement. I'm busy. Now, after a while, Tasha's going to go, maybe I'm not going to call Royce when I want to talk to him about this. I'll wait until he gets home because he's busy. No, we, we are busy. We get that. So often we think, God's busy. I'm not going to bother him. I mean, there, there's earthquakes. There's people that have horrible diseases. There's, I meant to mention tonight, and please pray for this. I have a dear friend who's a missionary in the Dominican Republic, Brother, Brother Biz Larice. Brother Biz and Brother Biz's family and my family, we traveled years ago together, many missions conferences before we came to Canada. They went to Haiti. He's, a, he's Haitian originally. And he and his dear wife started ministries in Haiti and, and Haiti and Haitian ministry. And then they went across the island of Española. One side of the island is Haiti, the other is Dominican Republic. And now they're in Dominican Republic, but they know many pastors in Haiti. And if you know anything about that part of the world, it's, it's a very dangerous part of the world right now. And missionary friend that they know, good man, independent Baptist missionary in Haiti. Yesterday was abducted. He's being held for $1 million ransom. Now the Lord can do anything, but most likely, number one, there will be no million dollar ransom. They think he's an American. He's a rich American. They have lots of money. If his family had a million dollars, they'd probably pay it. Nobody has a million dollars. And it's not going to get paid. I'm praying he gets released, but the reality is his life may very well be taken. That's a pretty serious request. As I've prayed about that today, I've thought, man, what a serious need. And we wrongly think God's pretty busy with that kind of stuff. I don't need to bother him with my stub toe. That, that's, that's how our brain works sometimes. Well, I don't need to pray about that. I mean, there's, I mean, there's people that have cancer. There's people that are just lost a loved one. That's, I have such a small thing. Can I tell you that God always desires for us to bring our needs to him? And I believe that every health need is an opportunity that God says, hey, Want to talk to me? Want to, want to talk to me about this matter? I believe we ought to always look at verse 13 in our text. Is any among you afflicted? Or, or, or that's, someone, that's, a, that's a sickness, a problem. The Bible says let him pray. Let him pray. One of the greatest, Matthew Henry, a man who wrote a, a very exhaustive commentary of the Bible, Matthew Henry says one of the designs of affliction one of the designs of affliction is to lead us to the throne of grace. 
So every time there is a sickness, a need in your life or someone you know, pray. Number two, after praying privately, after praying privately, the prayer fellowship of others may be called for. In other words, we ought to pray. But also we may ask others to join with us in prayer. Look at verse 14. The Bible says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray. What a great thing it is that in a time of need that we can come together and pray. I remember this month. It was 22 years ago this month. The first week of this month. So 22 years ago, the first end of, end of January, 1st of February, 20, 2001, Rebecca was a little baby. She was just a month, month and a half old. My pastor went to the hospital. I remember in, in college, it was my last semester of Bible college. I remember many classes and many chapels. We canceled class and we had prayer meetings. I remember going to the man who was in charge of the evening college, Dr. Darrell Moore. I remember several nights, several nights that he and I spent in the floor of his office, weeping and praying and asking God for a miracle. It was in his, his office floor as he and I prayed together in his office late that night that I remember praying and telling God whatever his decision was that I would thank him. Can I tell you that oftentimes I believe God wants us to get others involved, praying with us uh, for those needs. Uh, by the way, sometimes I think of those that are too sick, too afflicted to pray for themselves. We, we can bear the burdens uh, one for another. Uh, in verse 14 there, we see in time of sickness, we're to invite or send for the elders of the church that may, they may pray. Uh, the Bible speaks here of anointing with oil, uh, but not necessarily praying that he will heal. So, so what should be the attitude uh, of the elders and of the sick person as we think about that? We, we, we transition there to the third point. And the third point this evening, the eye of faith. The eye of faith must look to the Lord for his will to be revealed. Not for him to do what we say. Not for him to come to the same conclusion we've come to. Oftentimes, we want to convince God that we know best. There was an old TV show back in, I think it was the 50s or 60s, Father's Knows, Father Knows Best. How many of you remember that show? That was before, that was before your time. So sure, you probably watched reruns, I'm sure. You know, Father Knows Best. Now, I never saw Father Knows Best, but if, if they made a show today called Father Knows Best, uh, it, would be a, it would be a show mocking the father and making an idiot out of the father like every other family sitcom today, right? And the dad would be an absolute buffoon. Now, can I tell you that our father does know best? And as we think of that, the eye of faith must look to the Lord. Our faith must look to him for his will to be revealed. Now, in verse 14, and I, I love this thought, and I love this as we see it here. He says, Is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, 
Now, I want you to notice this, this phrase, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. From the Old Testament all the way through the Gospels to the end of the New Testament. Oil is always a picture, always a picture of the Holy Spirit, always. Always a picture of the Holy Spirit. And a picture of every spiritual blessing that we receive is conveyed by the Spirit. Uh, Miss Olga uh, reminded me after the service Sunday night, we were talking and talking about revival and talking about sharing Christ and uh, talking about the power for sharing Christ. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, everything we do is to be in His power. And as we think of this anointing with oil, it is a picture it is a reminder, not a talisman, not, not some kind of magical potion, but rather it is a picture of the Holy Spirit. So why use the oil? Now, there, is, there is no healing virtue in any bottle of, of oil. Uh, I, I, there is no such thing as holy water or holy oil. Uh, you know, you can spit in a bottle, it's just as holy as the water you got out of the toilet. It's, there, there is no holy water, there is no holy oil. Uh, there is oil. In the Old Testament and the New, they would have been speaking of olive oil that they would anoint. We read of Aaron's beard, who they poured the oil down and it ran down upon the beard of Aaron as he was anointed. But, so what's the purpose it is not necessary for healing. It is not magical. It has no special powers. Rather, it is an outward, visible representation to those who are praying. By the way, it's not something that has to be there, but it can be an outward, visible representation to those who are praying as a reminder that they are trusting God's Spirit and not themselves. It is not their faith. It is not their goodness or how much they think God loves them. And by the way, that whole idea of, you know, God doesn't love me today, but he loved me yesterday is so anti-Bible. But it is a representation as we think of that matter of faith of what we're trusting, not trusting our prayer, not trusting, you know, I, I have great faith, not trusting I, I'm such a great Christian, not trusting, you know, I've lived such a holy life, but trusting the Spirit of God and the will of God. Number four, as we think about this matter of healing, if it is God's will, and by the way, you don't decide if it's God's will, but if it's God's will to heal in answer to a prayer, a definite I believe this, a definite and specific gift of faith for the healing of the body will be given to those who pray. If God chooses to heal, I'm talking about miraculous healing. I'm not talking about you got a headache and you prayed, oh Lord, uh, take my headache away and you took a Tylenol and oh man. Now, God blessed there, uh, but I don't believe it was a miraculous healing. By the way, we'll get to it in a minute. I also don't believe it was lack of faith. We're getting there. Hold on just a bit. But when we're talking about healing, look at verse 15. It says, in the prayer of faith. Now, what does the Bible say in Ephesians chapter 2? 
And by grace are ye saved through faith. And that, what, what's the that referring to? Faith. And that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. You don't work up faith. Faith is not yours. You didn't manufacture it. You don't build it. You don't create it. You know, we, we joke, or maybe you have. I'm such a good father. I'm sure I never did. But, you know, you may joke with your kids and say, hey, I brought you into this world, and I'll take you out. I'm not pointing at you. I'm pointing at Rebecca behind. She's scared over there. But, you know, we, we joke. I made you. I brought you into this world. Can I tell you, you didn't bring faith into this world. God did. When the Bible speaks here about that faith in verse 15, it says in the prayer of faith, shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. Now, understand the prayer of faith cannot always be offered. It cannot be offered at will because God is the one that gives that faith. I want you to realize Job, Job prayed for deliverance. Royce, where was Job after he prayed? Still with boils. The kids were still dead. He's still bankrupt. His wife's still at home saying, curse God and die. His friends are still mocking him. But Job prayed. He prayed for deliverance. Paul, many believe Paul had some vision issues. I've noticed in just the last few months, I don't have to wear my glasses to see a distance. I, I don't wear them when I'm out hunting. I don't, wear, I don't have to wear them when I drive. But I've noticed in the last couple of months, if I go to read something, Brother Krim, I'm struggling until I put my glasses on and I realize I can see again. And I'm realizing that means I'm getting old, Miss Lois. But I, I realize that I can see a little better when they're on. Most likely, Paul had a serious, many believe, many theologians believe Paul had a serious vision problem. Many things in Scripture, so what large a letter I've written. Many believe that Paul wrote uh, in very large text. Paul probably had to read very, very close up. It was a struggle. So Paul prayed. Paul prayed not just once. Paul prayed again. I believe Paul was a man of faith. I believe a man who could stand up and preach on Mars Hill and see people saved, that's a man of faith. I believe a man who could go through the beatings over and over and over and over again for preaching Christ. I believe he was a man of faith. And when he asked the Lord, the Lord said, no. By the way, Paul got an answer. It wasn't the answer Paul wanted, but it was God's answer. It was God's will. Uh, we, we could look at several different passages in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If you want to write down the passage, Philippians chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 5, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Sometimes it is not God's will to answer our prayer the way we want it prayed. By the way, did you know there are those that by faith who were faithful who died for their faith? You know, we get this idea that God is like Superman and that when we pray, it's like Lois Lane crying out, Hey! And God instantly gets into the phone booth, pops on his super God suit, 
and he flies to exactly where you are and fixes every problem. And we get the idea if I pray and God doesn't, God doesn't snap to it, what's wrong with God? Nothing wrong with God. What's wrong is we've got a wrong idea of God and wrong idea of prayer. There are those who by faith gave their life's blood for the gospel. Paul lost his head, a man of faith, a man of faith. By faith, the Bible says some were delivered, Acts chapter 12, verse 8 through 11. By faith, Hebrews tells us, some escaped the edge of the sword. And by faith, the same passage three verses later tells us some were sawn in half and lost their lives. Very often it's maybe God's will to heal, but it is not always, it is not always God's will to heal. And we don't decide when it is. Anytime we say, oh, I know God's going to heal, no, we don't know that. That's, that's us saying, I'm greater than God. I'm the one that have decided. God is the one that's in control. Now, it is not always God's will to heal, but when it is his will to heal, and it is, God is able to do so if it's his will, I believe that God gives to those who pray the faith to believe and pray. Does that mean that if I pray and someone's not healed, it's because I don't have faith? No, it means it wasn't the will of God. It's not weighing us in the balance, and by the way, it's not weighing God in the balance. When it comes to this matter of healing, uh, to pray for a sick person or to claim healing uh, doesn't necessarily bring healing. This whole naming and claiming falsehood, uh, by the way, that comes out of the same place in hell that the performance at the Grammys came from. By the way, they're, they're the same. There's, there's no difference between the filth that was spewed out at the Grammys this week, uh, worshiping the devil. There's no difference between that and the, the false preacher who says just name it and claim it and God will do what you say they're both from hell they're equally just as evil they're equally just as perverse and I, and I don't care if you like the preacher he's just as perverse and wicked as the wicked uh, God forsaken uh, devil worshipers that sang at the Grammys there's no difference it's all false now as we continue on number five the use of natural means should not be ruled out. Now, this is where we really come into trouble whenever we think about and, and get out of balance and out of context Scripture. Can I tell you that there are three ways, three ways that healing can come. Three ways healing can come. It may come supernaturally. By a direct touch from the Lord himself. Who will suddenly or gradually raise up a sick person. It can happen. I, I believe that. I have no doubt about that. I have no question about that. God can do that. But that is not the only way that there are those that are healed. Number two, it may come by natural means. Through rest Sleep, food, change of environment. So, Pastor, how do you know that? Well, it would be really easy for us to look in the New Testament. 
We could go to the Old Testament and see some things, but I know there are those, oh, no, that's the Old Testament, and oh, Jesus came, the New Covenant. We could go to the New Testament very easily, and we could see Paul as he's pinning the Word of God, not his Word. We understand as we read the book of Timothy, we're not reading a letter from a man who loved a young uh, minister who's trying to encourage him, although that that relationship was real. Paul was not writing down the words of his heart. Paul did not pin his thoughts to Timothy. He may have pinned letters to Timothy that were his thoughts, but First and Second Timothy are the word of God. And Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, told Timothy to take a little wine for his stomach's sake. What was he saying? Was he saying, hey, go out and booze up, buddy. Man, go clubbing and get hammered. You'll feel better. Not at all. Of course, we won't go into it tonight, but the, the word wine in the New Testament has, it has several different meanings. And so often we hear the word wine and we think of the, the drunk. But rather he was saying to use medicinally that to help his stomach. Boy, Paul lacked faith, didn't he? Boy, Paul was sure a sorry Christian. Why didn't he tell Timothy, buddy, you don't need to take anything. You just, you know, let the snakes bite you, eat scorpions, drink poison, and boy, you just get up in the morning and you pray and God will bless you. But the Bible says something different. The Bible says that God told Paul to tell Timothy to take care of his health and to take something medicinally to help him. By the way, for us to say, oh, I, I can't take medicine, I can't do anything, all I can do is pray, and if God doesn't answer and it's not God's will, is us to call God's word a liar. It's us to say, well, that part of the Bible must not be true because, you know, he didn't need to do anything. He could just he could survive on anything, and God would just take care of him. He should have had faith. But we see very plainly that Paul tells Timothy that there's some things he should do for his health's sake. And by the way, it's wise to do so. Let's let's do look just for a second in the Old Testament. Look at Second Chronicles, chapter sixteen, and verse twelve. We see a man named Asa. Asa had the same problem that many of your husbands have, you ladies. How many of you, how many of you ladies, your husband has the same disease? It says here, in Asa in the 30 and 9th year of his reign was diseased in his feet. How many of you, your husband has diseased feet? When I was in college, I worked for a, a lawn care company, and I had to wear rubber boots all day, every day. And I wore rubber boots, and I, I walked miles all day long. This is what I did. Rubber boots on, long pants, long sleeve shirt, baseball cap. I've got a hose wrapped around over my shoulder. I got the trigger in my hand all day long. All day long. Man, I was moving. Can I tell you that I sweat pretty bad, Brother Gerald? 
When I took my shoes off when I got home, my wife would die and have to get resurrected from the smell. <laughs> I, at one point, I, I, I saw a doctor. My feet were really bad. And the doctor told me, he said, you, it, your feet look like you have what they call jungle rot during Vietnam. And he told me, he said, you, Mr. Rice, you can only wear white socks. You can never wear pigmented socks, all of this. And uh, I'm very stubborn. So I said, no, that's not going to happen. Uh, my feet used to be pretty bad. They're not bad today. Uh, the Lord, I guess, maybe he healed them, or maybe it just was the rubber boots. Maybe that was it. But Asa had a problem. Asa was diseased in his feet. And it says, until his disease was exceeding great, yet in his disease he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. Now, Asa did not sin in that he sought the physicians. Asa sinned in that he did not seek the Lord. The Bible says that the woman who had the issue of blood, she had an issue that she had sought doctors. No one could help her. Yet Jesus helped her. Jesus didn't say, hold on a minute. Have you just prayed to me about this or did you go to the doctor? Oh, you went to the doctor? I'm not healing you. You want the world's medicine? You don't get mine. That's not what Jesus did. Understand, Asa sinned. And he sinned greatly because he didn't go to the Lord. But his sin was not in going to the physicians. It was in not taking it to the Lord as well. And, you know, the choice has to be with the great physician. But I believe God gives us some wisdom. God gives us some teaching. And, and we could spend a lot of time looking at that truth. But so many folks get out of balance the teaching. By the way, we get out of balance the other way. Oh, I don't need God. Man, I got drugs. I got a, I got a doctor. I, I, I got the emergency room. I don't need to pray. By the way, that's just as out of balance as the one that says, oh, nope. Uh, my son's bleeding to death. He's, he's not going to go to the hospital. God will heal him if he wants him healed. Just as out of balance. Can I tell you that the use of natural means should not be ruled out? Number six. Number six. Although sickness is not necessarily the result of sin, it may be. Does that mean, you know what, if I find out Brother Darren says, oh, Pastor, I'm sick, I should go, you know what, I bet Darren's sinning. I bet he's been, I bet he's been a cat burglar in at night. You don't look like a cat burglar. What's that? No, I don't think you'd steal cats. He might steal cheeseburgers. Uh, he, you know, Darren's sick because he's committed some horrible, vile sin, you know, something like drinking decaf coffee. I think that's the unpardonable sin. <laughs> Only thing worse than that is drinking the vinegar that Brother Krim drinks. But no, uh, some horrible sin. He's, that's what it is. He's sick. I know why he's sick. He's sick because he's a wicked reprobate. Now, hold on a minute. That's not necessarily the case, but can I tell you that it may be. In Darren's case, it probably is the case. But look at verse 15 of our text back in James chapter 5. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if you have committed sins, notice we see the tying together here. 
commit his sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Very challenging thought here. Sometimes I believe sin comes as a result of, uh, sickness comes as a result of sin. I, I know for an absolute fact that much of the sickness in our world today, can I tell you where it originated with? When Adam took the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And by the way, it wasn't an apple. I know that's going to shake your theology. It was a, it was a tomato. And he, it looked like an apple, but it was a tomato. And it wasn't a tree, it was a bush. But when he ate that fruit, that very moment, Sin, the curse of sin fell in this world. Every disease didn't exist before sin. By the way, there are many today that are facing health problems because of sinful choices in their life. I don't know how many funerals I've preached for those who died of cirrhosis of the liver when I was out on the pole band. Many. Can I tell you that it wasn't one sip of alcohol, it was a life of wrong choices. By the way, the same can be said for many of us. Many of the health problems we battle and struggle with are rooted in some wrong choices. Some wrong choices outside the will of God. So just a thought there, although sickness is not necessarily the result of sin, it may be. Look at 1 Corinthians with me. Let's, let's turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 29. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, and eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body, for this cause are many weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. The Bible here speaks of taking the Lord's table wrongly. And God says that there are many that are facing health issues because of that. So let us be careful that we do not say, oh, he's sick, he must have sinned, she's sick, I wonder what sin she did. Oh, I know what she did, she does this, or he did this. But can I encourage you that when the sickness is yours, I believe as we go to God and pray, and we should do that first, I believe we should also say, Lord, is there some unconfessed sin in my life that I need to make right? Search me. Show me. Reveal to me anything that I need to make right. Number seven. There is no limit. There is no limit to what the Lord can and may do in answer to a fervent, persistent, and believing prayer. Look at verse 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another the effect, uh, that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Christian, can I encourage you with the same encouragement God gives us here in the book of James? And the encouragement is that we ought to be people of prayer. 
we ought to, as the Bible tells us there in verse 16, we ought to be fervent. Fervent in prayer. Persistent. Like a bulldog. Like Abraham, when God said, God, peradventure for 100 righteous. God, peradventure for 20. God, just one more time. He just kept begging the Lord. Persistent. Persistent prayer. But not only an encouragement for persistent prayer, but in verse 16, the fervent prayer of a righteous man. May we not just pray, but may we be concerned about our relationship with God as we pray. I remember years ago, I ate a bunch of garlic. I love garlic. Man, garlic is a wonderful thing. I almost, I, I almost understand why the children of Israel, and they were idiots, they were dummies, but I almost understand while they're in the desert, I can almost understand them when they said, oh, man, if we went back to Egypt, we could have the lease and garlics. Imagine just sitting there eating that dry, flavorless, seasonless manna and thinking, man, I'd, man, wouldn't you like to have a big big skillet of some leeks and some garlics? Man, I might, I might have gone back to Egypt and, and volunteered as a slave and said, man, I'll, I'll build your pyramids. Man, I'll do anything. Just give me some garlic. But we, I ate a bunch of garlic several years ago, about 17 years ago. I probably ate. Eight, nine, ten, twelve bulbs of garlic. I came home, opened the door of the house. I said hello to my wife. And Jim, she almost fell over. She said, You're not going to sleep in our bed. I tried to give her a kiss, Miss Lush. I'm not kissing you. Next day, it was worse. It started coming out of my skin. I mean, I was, was just coming out of every part of my body, and, and Carrie, was. she wanted to get away from me. She said, leave me. I don't want any of that part of that garlic. I don't want to be around you. So now I've learned the way to do it. Brother Krem, this is the secret. If you're going to eat garlic, make your wife eat garlic too. That way, it's okay. That, that, that's the answer for a marriage problem. I helped your marriage right there. But too often, we go to God with sin on our breath, stinking of the filth of this world. And we say, Hi, Lord. When it comes to prayer, we ought to be tenacious in prayer, but also we ought to be concerned about our relationship with God. We ought to realize what He's done for us. When we think of what Jesus went through, there's nothing on this world that we ever face, that we can say to God, that's a little tough, don't you think? That's a little hard, isn't it, Lord? I mean, you want, you want me to pray? That's awful tough, isn't it? And Jesus said, I, I died for you. I, I was beaten for you. I heard about a man that died. A sad story I read today. I read it to Colton. fellow was working and at his job he fell off this railing and I guess the safety protocols weren't in place and he went over a railing and he fell into a vat of coffee and died 
And his wife said, oh, he didn't suffer because it was instant. I'll wait a minute until you get the joke. Uh, I told Colton, if I had to die in a vat of instant coffee, that would be a horrible death. You put me in a vat of real coffee, that's a worthy death. But Jesus, he, he didn't instantaneously just, it was all over. Rather, he suffered for you and for me. And as we think about praying for others, we ought not think, well, I'm going to just, okay, God, you do this. I'm going to go do whatever I want to do now. Rather, Lord, I want to ask you for your will again. I want to come to you again. And, Lord, I want to honor you with my life. And, and I, I'm going to pause again, Lord, and I want to pray. And I want to continue on as I honor you with my life for what you've done. And I believe those two things walk hand in hand. Not only, although, by the way, not so you can heal people. Not so you can, okay, God can heal them because I, I, I prayed and I lived right and that's why, you're, that's why God healed you. No, God, if God healed, God healed because he's God and because it was his will. But rather, I believe God wants us to do that so our relationship with him is stronger. And how wonderful that we can have that relationship. Look at 1 Peter. We'll close with this thought. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 19. 1 Peter 4.19, Wherefore, let him that suffer, let them that suffer, according to the will of God. Stop there just for a moment. Be reminded, sometimes suffering is the will of God. We need to make peace with that. We've got to make peace with it. The Bible says, Wherefore, let them that suffer, according to the will of God, commit the keeping of their souls to him. In well-doing. As unto a faithful creator. I don't have time to get into the depths of that verse. And Brother Campo, you could preach a couple hours on that verse. But the Bible basically says, whatever we face in this life, we ought not let that affect how we treat the one that made us. Because he is faithful. We ought not judge God for what is happening in our life. Rather, we should be faithful to him as the perfect and holy creator. I believe in our culture, there are many who think they worship the creator who rather than actually worshiping the creator, worship their imagination of the creator. But I believe also many quote-unquote Christians we don't worship the creator. We, we want to tip our hat to him. But we want to worship ourselves. May we worship him as he is. A faithful. A faithful creator. By the way, if we pray, if you pray, and God heals someone, that's wonderful. And God's good. You pray and God doesn't heal, God's still good. I'll never forget my pastor, Dr. Hiles, 22, 23 years ago, 
Carrie had gotten to know Mrs. Hiles working in the college ladies ministry and Mrs. Hiles asked Carrie if there was anything she could pray specifically for, for her and for our family. And she told Mrs. Hiles, of course Mrs. Hiles was up, I think she was, I think she was in her 70s or almost 70 at the time. And she said, Mrs. Hiles, would you pray? Would you pray that my husband and I could have a child? And we, we had thought the Lord wasn't going to give us any children. And we didn't know if there was any medical issue. We just had assumed maybe the Lord wasn't going to allow us to have children. And She said, have you seen Pastor yet? Has Pastor prayed with you? And Carrie said, no, of course, our schedules were so busy and we're always running. And Mrs. House said, I'll tell you what, she said, after the, whatever the next church service was, she said, after the service, she said, you don't need to make an appointment. She said, you just come, come to pastor's office after the service and just be in the hallway. And she said, I'll go in the office and I'm going to tell pastor he's going to see you. <laughs> and we went in the hallway and Pastor Hiles announced that night, I won't be seeing anybody after the service, won't see anyone after the service. And Mrs. Hiles looked over at us and said, point A, you go. And we went, and we went there waiting in the hallway, and someone said, oh, well, the house isn't seeing anyone. And we're like, oh, that's fine. We're just going to stand here in the hallway. And we watched as Mrs. Howes walked, knocked on the door, and he opened the door. She went inside just for a minute. A few seconds later, the door opened. She walked out. Well, the house looked down and waved us into the office. And it's sometimes, you know, Preacher's wives have some power. And uh, we went down to the office, and Brother Howells said to us, I heard you were praying God would give you a child. And we said, yes, sir. He said, I'd love to pray for you and ask the Lord if it be his will that he allow that to happen. And I remember as he anointed my wife and I both with oil and prayed for us, right in the entryway there of his office. I remember his prayer. I remember him praying, God, you're not on trial tonight. God, whatever your will is, is good. But we're asking if it be your will, if you'd allow this couple to have, have a child. I told Brother Hiles about a month later, he used way too much oil. <laughs> Carrie was three months pregnant whenever we were in the hall. Well, that's what the doctor said. Maybe it was just a really fast pregnancy because he used so much oil. <laughs> but it was, we were already expecting Rebecca. We didn't even know it at the time. But can I tell you, if my wife and I had no children right now, man, we'd have so much money. I'd be rich. I'd be miserable. God would still be good. God would still be good. Don't ever miss that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Lord, I'm so glad that I serve a God that is all-powerful. Lord, I'm glad that when I pray big prayers, there's no prayer that's too big for you. Lord, I know that if it be your will, there is nothing you can't do. Lord, help me to pray. <laughs> help me to realize the importance of prayer in every aspect. Lord, as well, would you help me when I pray to realize that I don't direct the answer of prayer. Lord, you've commanded me to pray. But Lord, I don't determine your will. God, help me to trust you. Help me to pray even though I don't know your answer. 
Help me to pray for your will, even if when it's not the will that I would have. And Lord, may I, may I commit my soul to you in well-doing. Lord, in honoring you with my life, with my tongue, with my actions, as you are a faithful creator. Lord, I thank you for every person, Lord, that could testify tonight that we know that God has healed or did this work. For Lord, we know you're able to. Lord, as well tonight, I want to thank you for every prayer you've answered of healing that has said no. Because it was your will, your perfect will. And Lord, even though we don't understand it, we want to trust you. Lord, would you bless us tonight? Would you help us to have balance? Would you help us to understand your truth? And would you help us to allow the, the knee-jerk reaction, the immediate reaction, always to be, I need to pray. Lord, thank you. We love you tonight. Thank you for what you've done, what you're going to do. Bless us now in your precious name. We ask it all in the name of Christ. Amen.